All right, now, time for the Israel-Palestine update, the next segment of our episode. And we'll start with the deaths. They've reached uh, 1,400 Israelis and 3,700 Palestinians in Gaza. So the Israeli deaths have sort of petered out as the fighting has been taken to Palestine and out of Israel. And now we watch the disproportionate count of Palestinians go up in response. And this is ahead of the ground offensive in Gaza, which is coming. We have 19,000 having been displaced in Lebanon following Israeli bombings in the country, which were conducted in response to Hezbollah firing rockets into Israel. Uh, and, and to top it all off, there's 19,000 U.S. troops which have been deployed to Israel as well. Now, they have Israel has promised attacks against Iran and Hezbollah. Uh, they promised attacks against Iran if Hezbollah gets involved. And they've they promised to wipe both them and Lebanon off the face of the earth, Iran and Lebanon, which is wild, to say the least, uh, especially against a country who's struggling against Palestine. Um, so we'll just leave that on the table. But yeah, you in that's one thing that was said, just one, because you have Israel's defense minister also saying, and this is Yoav Gallant, he's saying that troops uh well he said this to troops near the gaza border because they were able to see it you they say he said quote you see gaza now from a distance you will soon see it from the inside the command will come uh, and he also said that it would be a long and hard battle but he's basically said yeah we're gonna go into gaza we will go in and the command will come and you're gonna see gaza from the inside when you're walking in there with your boys in your units and it's it's the escalation the escalation is just getting out of hand and again it's not like you can't understand why they are hateful <laughs> they're overtly hateful they got bombed they took an L and again that's the, the light way of putting it Israel took an L, the worst L in their history uh, since the Holocaust. And when the L you're taking now is compared to the L you took when you didn't have a country, it that's a really bad L to take. And not that the this L is anywhere close to the Holocaust. It's just not. It's just not. So let, let's put, put things in proper proportion here. What happened with this attack from Hamas into Israel is nowhere close to the Holocaust, but it is true that this is the worst attack, the deadliest day for Jews, well, the deadliest instant, incident for Jews since the Holocaust, I'll say that. That is true. Uh, the, it's disrup way disproportionately on the side of the Holocaust, so it, this is not some close second, um, but yeah, the, that's what this is. It is the worst incident for jews since the holocaust and naturally no one's gonna want to take that kind of an l sitting down and israel's not they want revenge and they are gonna get their revenge it's just not gonna be as satisfying for them as they think it's gonna be especially when we take a step back and look at what's happening around them something that i warned of 
some that I theorized might be the case on when I made my first episode talking about this. And every day that goes by, we get closer to what I speculated. But we'll cover a little bit more of the war here before I get into that speculation. Those of you who've watched my past few episodes on the, the matter know exactly what I'm talking about. But for any of you potentially new listeners, well, I'll lay it out to you uh, in just a moment. But Israel has promised to tax. They're they're going to go in, they're going to go into Gaza. They're going to do this ground defensive. I've laid out in I think it was either my first or my second episode talking about this that Gaza is a trap. It is a literal trap. Why would you go there, knowing full well that you're dealing with a guerrilla fighting force, in an urban environment? Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in that situation? And who knows what weapons they have that they've gotten off the black market that likely came out the pockets of a Ukrainian, that likely came out the warehouses of some Ukrainian corrupt-ass general. They're going to get hit with stingers <laughs> and javelins. And we're going to be sitting here looking like, uh, yeah, we, we support Israel. And then they're going to get hit with a stinger. Their aircraft are going to get hit with stingers. Their tanks are going to get hit with javelins. And then they're going to be looking at us like these are what the fuck? These are your weapons. I think that that's what's going to happen here. This is a tr- but beyond the usage of American weapons against a, an American ally, which would be an um, such an incredible irony, such an incredible irony, and I can already see it coming. But aside from that, just the concept of trying to fight in an urban environment against a guerrilla fighting force, a force that literally specializes in guerrilla fight. The only offensive operations they can carry out against you are rocket attacks, mass rocket attacks at that. And what happened a few weeks ago when they did the greatest drive-by in human history. Where they, they had men in pickup trucks, men in paragliders sailing in to Israel. Just drive taking <laughs> taking a road trip across the border and then gunning down everybody in sight going door to door to kill whole families like the greatest drive-by shooting in history they spun the block harder than anybody had ever had ever contemplated a block being spun nobody thought a block could be spun as hard as the Hamas fighters just spun Israel's so naturally Israel isn't going to try to, they don't want to take that L lying down, that kind of a humiliation. So I'm not going to, again, and I bring this up in all my other episodes, I'm not going to pretend that there's no reason for Israel to respond. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I, just as I'm not an Israel simp, I'm not a Palestine simp. I know exactly why they're going to respond and I know exactly why they would do that. And it's not that they're unreasonable for doing so. I mean, you you get sh- let your neighborhood get shot up like they got shot up. You you'd be acting the same way. We know how we were on 9/11. And let's not even get into how this situation in Israel is being compared to 9/11. Israel's 9/11, but it's it's so much worse. Oh, actually, Biden said that in his speech as well. Uh, but it's Israel's 9/11 but because Israel's a smaller country with a smaller population it's much bigger in proportional terms and that is true that doesn't mean it's going to be a good idea to go invading Gaza why would you do that to yourself from a from a military and a strategic point of view invading Gaza is a mistake you you're going to come out into enemy territory where they know all the terrain they know everywhere you're an invader 
they know the back alleys, they know the side streets, they know where they can ambush your ass and then where they can fade away easily. They know everything there is to know. And you're an invader coming into their territory. You're going to be in close proximity to these fighters. So your superiority of firepower is completely mitigated by the fact that you're going to be in close quarters combat every time. You're going to be getting into shootouts with people who are at best some uh, double-digit yards away from you. Or hell, uh, double-digit feet up when they're shooting you from an apartment building. And that's to say nothing of getting sniped from across the map from someone who's in an apartment complex or a high-rise on the other side of the map. It's why would you put yourself in this situation where your troops are out in the open, ready to get shot by every Hamas soldier who will have infiltrated the Palestinian population, just looking like a regular-ass person until they shoot you. And then it's on, and you're going to be stuck with the confusion, watching the civilians scramble in every direction while Hamas is shooting you. They don't care if they shoot a Palestinian in the process. And all that's going to happen is that Israel's going to get lit up, take unacceptable losses, unacceptable by their terms, and they're going to kill a lot of civilians trying to kill a handful of Hamas soldiers. And it's just going to make them look extremely bad on the international stage, and they're going to get a coalition built against them. There's no winning for Israel moving into Gaza. There's no winning for this. It's a trap. It is a trap. And it is a strategic and military mistake to go into Gaza, but they're going to do it. And we know why they're going to do it, because they have every uh, incentive to do so, uh, not just from a revenge standpoint, from, but from a, a PR and a public relations and a public sentiment. It's not even about the PR. It's the public sentiment. They want revenge. No one in Israel is going to accept getting lit up like that and then the Israeli government doing nothing about it. So while I can, again, tell them restraint is your best option, well, I don't get to determine what the Israeli government does. To a much greater extent than myself, the Israeli people get to do that, and the people want revenge. I can just sit here and say that it's not going to go well for you. But that's what's going to happen. Now, this this ground offensive coming, uh, and also uh, with with the ground offensive that we know is coming. Uh, well, actually, before we get into that, they they delayed the offensive, citing bad weather. Said it was bad weather. Uh, sure, except it's the Mediterranean. The weather is always good in the Mediterranean. It's not like it's winter yet. The weather's always good in the Mediterranean. It, at best, you have a little bit of a chill, but this is solid ground. It's not muddy, like it's about to be in Ukraine and Russia right now. It's solid ground. The weather is still perfectly fine for offensive uh, and maneuver-type military operations. You can fight a war movement with this weather. Like, it's is it raining? Uh, has rain ever once stopped a military operation that got going? No. So what is it really? Some say it's to give the U.S. time to actually deploy more assets to the region, which might be plausible. Either that, but another thing that's being brought up is that the Israeli army just isn't ready for an offensive operation in Gaza. Like, that takes planning. Even though Gaza isn't necessarily the biggest place on Earth, that that doesn't mean going without a plan. That doesn't mean go in procedurally and know every corner, every street you're going to take, what every turn you're going to take, 
know every crook and crevice where you can possibly potentially be ambushed from what what buildings you're going to take over and where what fire positions you're going to set up you need to know these things before you go in or else you're going to get lit up and humiliated again and if you get humiliated again when you go into gaza well now you're going to resort to war crimes because now you're not going to give a damn who gets shot when you fire back and that's only going to play against israel and plus you're going to lose your own men in unnecessary skirmishes that you could have seen coming and could have suppressed with your own firepower so again from a military and a strategic standpoint you're not just going to go in here without a plan so i think that that is uh the primary reason and then the secondary reason is the united states wants to deploy more assets here and maybe they want all that as a third reason they want to wait until some of this aid that might come in from the united states gets there because once they go into gaza their troops are committed you can't then turn around to come deal with hezbollah or iran so that there's also that i think there's also uh they're afraid of a second front being opened up for realsies with an incursion from Hamas, not he- from Hezbollah, from the north, instead of just rockets like actual Hezbollah fighters coming in from the north and doing to them in the north what Hamas did to them in the south from Gaza. In which case, if your response to Hamas spinning your block is a ground invasion of the Gaza Strip, then it stands to reason that if Hezbollah comes in from the north and does the exact same thing, coming in on paragliders and pickup trucks, shooting up everybody in sight, kidnapping people, and then taking them back across the border. Well, if your response to Hamas doing that was a ground invasion of of Gaza, now you're backed into a corner. Your only response that you can actually afford politically is a ground invasion of Lebanon. And now you're talking war with Iran. Restraint was the best option. Friend, true friends of Israel. I'll say this again. True friends of Israel would have said that this time of all times would have been the best time to exercise restraint. Real friends would have told you that, Israel. But they didn't tell you that. They told you to go in. And now you're gonna get you're gonna get messed up. Your real friends weren't there when you needed them. So I'll, I'll just leave that on the table. This is not going to go well for Israel. Uh, even if they, they're going to go in, they're going to get disproportionate kills. They're going to they're gonna rack up some insane kill streaks. They're going to they're gonna walk away with probably 100, K, uh, 100 to 1 KD. Now that's an exaggeration. Uh, unless you count civilians. In which case, it'll be a lot more than 100 to 1. But it's not going to end well for you. It's not going to end well. You're going to be seen as a war criminal. You're going to get a coalition built against you. And the United States can't bail you out of what that coalition chooses to do. Especially if Russia and China are backing them. We can't afford another war. Forget what Janet Yellen says. We can't afford another war. We can barely afford the war we're in right now with Ukraine. But Israel's moving in. They're moving in. And as they get ready for this ground offensive, we know it's coming. And they, they're going to go do this this ground offensive. And Gaza, the, the place that they're moving into, it has been it has been to a great degree depopulated. 
So given that Israel's so given Israel's long-standing habit of forcibly resettling Palestinian lands, you know, ethnic cleansing, uh, literally textbook ethnic cleansing. Given that that's what Israel likes to do when the rockets aren't flying, it's worth asking whether Palestinians who leave Gaza will ever be allowed to return. And the answer to me uh, seems to be that unless there's an intervention on the side of Palestine, very few, if any, will be allowed to return to the parts of Gaza that Israel chooses to keep. Those who do return may or may not find an Israeli family living in what used to be their house. But then the tragedy gets worse. And again, this is a reality that people on the pro-Israel side really don't like to talk about. And and when I say really don't like to talk, I mean they don't talk about it at all. They do not talk about the resettlement program at all. And they can't, because it's literally ethnic cleansing. To acknowledge the resettlement would be to acknowledge that the side that you think is so moral and so great and is just biblically bound to this land and was biblically destined to live here again, to acknowledge the resettlement would be to acknowledge that that side, that that biblical land of, of, of Israel, the land of the, the promised land of the Jews, is committing a genocide, literal ethnic cleansing. Well, de- genocide, depending on which definition of the term genocide you're using, but literally ethnic cleansing. No matter how you try to define that term, it will fall. What Israel's doing to Palestine falls under ethnic cleansing which is precisely why the Israel simps won't bring it up. They don't like to bring that up. They don't, they're not, they're not going to admit that their side is a war criminal. They're not going to admit that their side is uh, all in on ethnic cleansing, just like the, the Palestine simps aren't going to acknowledge that Hamas is a terrorist organization. This is not political. This is literal. (laughs) It's not political. It's literal, but people don't want to be honest because it, doesn't play well to their side and so you have people like me who's like well i don't really need to take a side here uh because i don't live there this isn't my war my side is united states and half the time i don't agree with what my side's doing (laughs) but this is what they're doing this is what they're doing and the the danger here because they've forced all a million plus palestinians to leave is that a good chunk of the land that gets taken during this ground offensive won't be given back you're gonna find a a whole lot of homes suddenly available on zillow in israel in a few months and that's a tragedy and that's what it is it's a tragedy it doesn't matter what side you're on that is a tragedy but the tragedy gets worse uh last week there was an explosion uh which was seen at a hospital in gaza now the attack reportedly killed hundreds of civilians Hamas blamed an Israeli missile for the attack. Israel blamed a failed rocket launch from the Hamas. Um, and multiple world leaders have made comments on this. Now, since this happened, because a lot of things happened as a result of this, but since it happened, new evidence has surfaced indicating that the bomb only damaged the parking lot outside the hospital. But even with that evidence, even if that evidence proves true by the, the time the fog of war clears, the damage has already been done. Even if that new evidence proves to be true, the damage has already been done. This attack, or at least the perception of it, has had an immediate 
and wide-reaching fallout across the region. Uh, we talked earlier about how uh, frick, uh, the U.S. Embassy in Lebanon was literally put ablaze, set to the torch. Our embassy in Lebanon, because we back Israel, and the embassy in Jordan was surrounded by a mob. And it was so bad in Jordan that they canceled the trip. And I assume the trip to... Uh, uh, what? Yeah, the trip to Jordan was canceled, and I assume that the trip to Lebanon was canceled as well, because, well, I think lighting the embassy on fire sends a bigger message than a mob showing up at the embassy. Like, our embassies are, under, are put under siege, and trips have been canceled because of this. And they did this because they were outraged about what happened at this hospital. And they were really, really upset about what happened at this hospital. And, and it wasn't just them. It was Biden went out of his way to make comments say he, he was shocked and horrified by what happened at that hospital. Uh, let me see. Let's see. Uh, where is it? Mm, uh, mm. Like you. Like you. I, I, I literally just talked about it. So I'm going to find it. And yeah, there it is. Biden, when he went to Israel, he said, uh, we mourn the loss of innocent Palestinian lives around like the entire world. I was shocked. Well, not I shocked. I was outraged and saddened by the enormous loss of life yesterday at that hospital in Gaza. And then he went on to blame Hamas for it. So this has been something that has affected world leaders. And it wasn't just Biden. And it hasn't just spawned whole mobs to come burn down uh, embassies, uh, both U.S. and Israeli embassies in other countries in the Middle East. Because other leaders have weighed in on this. Uh, and one of them was Iran. Because Iran, they... They raised the black flag over the Imam Reza shrine in Tehran. And this is something that they do to symbolize national mourning. And they did this in solidarity with those who lost their lives in that attack. Which, and again, a, a mob in Jordan descended upon the Israeli embassy as well. So it, things got really heated in Jordan, I'll just say that much. But the fact that this response has been had throughout the region hints at the first story the initial story of hundreds dying as a result of the story being true it hints at that being true rather than it was just the parking lot bro so and that and and again it's not just them you also had erdogan erdogan had perhaps one of the more extreme responses to this uh if you count his words as being more extreme than a mob setting <laughs> setting the u.s embassy on fire but Erdogan came out and he has openly condemned the attack, saying, quote, the attack on the hospital where women, children and innocent civilians are treated is the latest of Israeli attacks that lack the most basic human values. I call on all humanity to take action to stop this unprecedented brutality in Gaza. End quote. He then went on to say, quote, if not, we will. End quote. That is a direct call to action and then a direct threat on top of that. So with that context, 
again, going into Gaza is a trap that will not play well to Israel. Turkey has basically just threatened you with a war. If you continue doing acts like this, and again, even if the story uh, isn't necessarily what we thought it was in the beginning, even if it is just the parking lot that got destroyed and not people actually dying by the hundreds in a bombing at this hospital, you've been threatened with war by Turkey. Turkey's not that far away from you. They really aren't. Israel is not winning war against Turkey. I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen. That is just not going to happen. Like, Israel has done a very impressive mobilization. They've gotten 300,000 men, plus uh, some say 360,000. But they're not winning a war against Turkey. They're not winning a war against Iran. They're not, they would have a hard enough time fighting uh, Hezbollah, or uh, Hezbollah and Iran and Palestine. They can't fight everybody. And this is exactly what I said was going to happen. Turkey has officially joined the coalition. And they might just actually have led the charge here. In terms of formal diplomatic statements. Uh, saying uh, that there was going to be any sort of consequence or repercussion to Israel for these attacks. And, and again, whether you believe the hospital story or not. The hospital story is just one story. What do you think happens when they go into Gaza and you get more civilians dying? What do you think happens when this blockade of Palestine results in people literally starving to death and people not able to get medical attention because there's no electricity at the hospital, there's no fuel, so you can't even run a backup generator, there's no water. When people start to die of these natural lack of these natural human needs, what do you think is going to happen? If... Turkey was willing to threaten war over a hospital bombing. What do you think happens when you get thousands dying from starvation and dehydration? Because this hospital got bombed. What happens when the other hospitals in Gaza just can't treat patients because they don't have electricity? Because the humanitarian aid can't stop that. Coming in, that that's going to be supposedly coming in through Egypt. That can't cure you of your electricity problem the lack thereof. So what happens when more people, civilians die as a result of the blockade that Israel's running on Gaza? You're going to get more threats of intervention because that's what that also is. Turkey, President Erdogan of Turkey has threatened an intervention against Israel if Israel commits acts like this. So even if this hospital bombing isn't true, if Israel goes into Gaza, things like this will happen and those things will be real. And Turkey has threatened an intervention, which effectively translates to if you invade Gaza, we will have to respond. And Turkey won't be alone. They, they've just been the most outward about it as of now. But they won't be alone. And this is, again, a development uh, one development out of many that, that hints, one, that the hospital attack was pretty damn lethal and that it was more along the lines of what we thought it was in the beginning than the, the new evidence that shows it was just the parking lot that was damaged. But uh, again, that's 
evidence will find out what the real truth is in time. But it also hints at the development that I speculated would come about. Uh, and this is uh, the rapid acceleration of the creation for conditions that I speculated Hamas would want to create. Those who've watched my past two episodes on this, you already know what I'm talking about. But for those who haven't, it's region-wide sympathy. This is, what, this is what Palestine wants. This is what Hamas wants. This is what they attacked Israel and what they went all balls to the walls in attacking Israel to do. Because they knew that Israel's response would be big and disproportionate to what they did. So if they went balls to the wall, Israel would have to retaliate disproportionately because that's just how they do things. So the bigger you go, the bigger Israel's response is going to have to be, and people are going to die when you do that. Civilians are going to die when you do that. So what do you get when your civilians are dying as a response of a disproportionate attack from Israel? You get region-wide sympathy for Palestine built off of the brutality of Israel's military response to that initial attack. Sympathy which is likely going to manifest itself in the form of mandatory peace talks for a negotiated settlement between Israel and Palestine, which will be imposed on Israel by the regional powers. Turkey has already made themselves, uh, they've already added themselves to that list of regional powers who will be in favor of such a negotiated settlement, if only to stop Israel from doing what they're doing now, whether or not you believe the hospital story. This is what's happening. And it's, uh, again, if they go into Gaza, it's a wrap. They need restraint. Otherwise, there might not be an Israel on the other side of this conflict. Or what's left of them will be a greatly reduced and greatly weakened Israel. That can't pose a threat to Palestine again. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.